by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Good morning, everybody. I'm Pastor Guy. Thank you for worshiping with us this morning. If you're a first-time visitor and there's some cards in front of you and one of those chairs in front of you, you'd fill this out and turn it in at the end of the service we will give you a little gift bag to show how happy we are that you're here visiting with us today and worshiping with us uh let's go to the lord in prayer i believe god's got something very special that he wants to to impart into our lives today to give us that joy for the journey father i just thank you for the word that we just received from brother rick that was powerful I thank you for that song that kind of centers us and brings us back home to the things that matter. I thank you that you're always calling us to your, to your side, to, to your bosom, Lord, that we may just dwell in the secret place, that we may hide under the shadow of the Almighty, that we may know you more and thus be more like you, more excited about the things of God and things that matter and that our lives would carry such weight and each moment would find that importance that you place on it. We thank you for what you're going to say through me today. I just yield myself as a vessel. But I pray that the, the people's hearts would be open to receive and ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord would say. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so if you've been here recently, we've been talking a lot about when the Lord says, Who will go for us? Whom shall I send? And, and I think last week it was, or a week before, I can't remember, we, a lot of us says, here I am, Lord, send me, like Isaiah. Well, here's something that I would uh, say that the Lord needs right now. He's want, looking to and fro, who's going to be life group leaders for the next semester? Right? Um, I like the way it works. We do it in semesters. So if you led a life group this semester and you, you kind of got wore out, well, then you can take a break during the off time gear back up for the next semester, or if you've done it a couple of times, you say, hey, I need a semester off. I just want to go to somebody else's home and enjoy, you know, and, and uh, so you can do that. If we all, if all our life group leaders will step up and take a, a turn, you know, and uh, be ready to say, here I am, Lord, send me. And some of you may be saying, well, how do I become a life group leader? Y'all just let anybody do it? No, no. There is, a, there is a training class that we could put you through. Um, Donna, would you raise your hand? Miss Donna right there is in charge of our life groups. If you, could, if you want to lead a life group this upcoming semester and you've already been through the class, uh, speak to with Miss Donna. Please pray about it and see what God would have you do. And uh, if you want to be trained to lead a life group, it's not that hard. Um, we will show you exactly what it takes and it's just a matter of getting your heart right about what it's trying to accomplish. And, and if you've been to a life group, you know what we're talking about. It's about fellowship. It's about discipleship. It's about us coming together, learning, and that we may go and teach someone else. It's discipleships one-on-one. So life groups are an important part of what we do here at the Passion Church. I, I like to invite people to our church, and, I, and, I, and I'm happy to tell them that we meet in people's homes during the week. 
it's a really exciting thing for me as a pastor, and I'm glad we implemented that and the Lord showed us that. So I want you to keep your fire for life groups is what I'm saying. Also, I'd like to announce that on Wednesday, July 26th, not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, we're going to have a special service here on a Wednesday, which we often do, you know, on semester breaks. And it's going to be a very special Wednesday. We're going to have some great preaching, and I'm not going to tell you who's going to be doing it, but it ain't going to be me. And we might do something like a ice cream fellowship or a finger food thing. We haven't decided on that yet, but it's always a good time when we get together on Wednesday nights. So go ahead and put it on your calendar. When? July 26. Write that on your calendar right now. Make you, write it on your hand. We're going to start at 6.30. 6.30 on July 26. Well, let's get into the Word. Let's talk about the Word. Let's pull on the Word. Let's trust in the word. About 895 B.C., that was approximately 895 years before Christ, uh, the town of Samaria was being besieged by the Arameans. Now, Samaria was part of Israel, and so God's people were in this town of Samaria, and this Armenian army was surrounding them, had them blocked in. Now, if the army were to try to go to the walls and try to climb over, they're likely to suffer harm. You know, they're going to be pouring oil on them and shooting arrows at them and everything. You're going to lose some people. So what they would do is they would just set up outside the camp, surround the place so nobody can leave, and then wait them out until they starve to death. Doesn't sound very inviting to those inside the wall, does it? And it wasn't. The Bible tells us it was a bad, bad time for the Israelites. They were stuck in there and no more food coming in. So you're probably trying to ration what you have, uh, but that soon runs out. They said it got so bad that people were chasing doves down to get some dove poo to eat. They were selling dove poo. <laughs> And you think it's bad that you have to eat at McDonald's every now and then. It said they were eating donkey's heads, selling them for big money, just eating off, picking off the bones of a donkey's head, just starving, just eating whatever was edible at all. And yes, this is in the Bible. Some mothers were eating their newborn babies. It's one thing the Bible tells the truth about stuff. Whether it's good, bad, or very ugly. But it was terrible time. And it was particularly terrible for these four lepers. Here they are. They're already outcast in the city, right? Nobody wants them near, so they're outside the gate. They can't even get in the gate. They got this army surrounding them. And even if they were to go inside the gate, there's nothing to eat. And they're scratching their head with the fingers they got left. And they're thinking... What are we going to do? What are we going to do? So they begin to think, if we go inside, that ain't going to help us. There ain't no food. We'll just starve to death. And they, you understand, they're already starving to death. They've probably been several days without any food. They're probably on their last leg. And they think, well, if we stay here, we're certainly going to die. This ain't getting no better. One of them probably mentions, hey, you know, we could go out to the Arameans and see if they would have mercy on us. I mean, we know the other two options ain't going to work. Now, what do you think the chances are of the Arameans having mercy on the four lepers? 
They're already there to kill everybody in the city. You think they're going to welcome some people with leprosy into their camp? It ain't looking good for these four lepers. It ain't looking good at all. When I see this story, I think about my life before Jesus. It wasn't looking good for me. <laughs> it wasn't looking good at all. I had absolutely no way to save myself. There was nothing that I could do. I was spiritually dead and I could not change a thing. But I digress. Let me get back to the story. They said, well, the best chance, I guess, is to go see if, if the world will have mercy, if the enemy will have mercy. Does the enemy typically have mercy on you? No. But they went out there. But guess who did have mercy? God had mercy. God brought the sound in the enemy camp of a mighty army approaching. And the Armenians woke up in the middle of the night and they hear this, the ground shaking and God's making them think that the, that the, the Israelites have hired the Egyptians and they're going to come and kill us. They didn't, they didn't get dressed. They didn't take their swords. They didn't take their food. They took off running is what they took. The whole Armenian army ran for their lives. And nobody knew this until those four beggarly lepers come walking up on the camp thinking, this is it. They're fixing to shoot me any second. And they walk up. They don't hear any sound. Hello, the camp. Hello, anybody there? Nothing. They look in the first tent. Nobody in there. Oh, but there's a piece of bread. Oh, there's some fresh wine. Oh, there's some water in here. And they sneak in and they start eating and drinking. And then they begin to go through the camp and they realize there's nobody here. The donkeys and the, uh, the horses are still here. The weapons are still here. There's silver and gold in these tents. So, of course, they, they met their physical needs first. They started eating and drinking everything that was in the camp till their big old bellies was poking out, you know. And they couldn't stuff another thing in their mouth. Then they started putting gold in their pockets, and then they started getting fine clothes and robes and stuff and said, where do we, where do we hide this stuff? And I don't, the Bible doesn't tell how long they were enjoying the plunder, but just that they were. Maybe five or six hours, who knows? But they just lived it up. And then in 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 9, it says, finally, say finally. Finally, they said to each other, this isn't right. This is not right. This is a day of good news, and we aren't sharing it with anyone. Finally, they thought about the people starving to death, eating doves dung over in the city. That people were dying all around them, and their bellies was full. Finally, they said to each other, this is not right. This is a day of good news, and we aren't sharing it with anyone. Do any of y'all have some good news that you might could share? Do you, anybody have any fresh bread that they might could share, one beggar to another? Jesus, what he did, he came and made a banquet possible. 
He looked down and he said, man, these people are hopeless and helpless. If they go this way, they're going to die. If they stay where they're at, they're going to die. If they trust the world, they're going to die. There's no way for these people. The father said, well, Jesus, you could be the way. I don't know about that conversation either. I'm just supposing. I think it was already the plan from the beginning. I think Jesus knew when he created us that he was already going to be the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. But nevertheless, I can imagine that conversation. Who will go for us? Jesus said, I'll go for us. And so he came down to the world he created, and we didn't even have room for him to be born in the end. We didn't give him any place. We crucified the Lord of glory. But that's what he came to do. He came to give his life as a ransom to redeem those which could not redeem themselves, had no hope in, in the life to come at all. It was at the end of themselves. And so he made a banquet possible. And he invites all to the banquet. He invited the Jews, those who were invited first, they made excuse, oh, we can't come. I got to go take care of a donkey. I got to buy some land. Like Rick said, I am got so entangled in the things of this world that I ain't got time for Jesus' banquet. So he said, go into the highways and the byways. Go into all the earth and preach this good news. Share this bread of life with the world. So that my banquet may be filled. Because the lamb has already been slain. And so he called his people to go. Share the good news. To, we got a hall to fill. Look at your neighbor and say, we got a hall to fill. There's plenty of room left. There's plenty of bread to go around. The bread of life is for all who will come. When Jesus was here, some 800 and maybe 900 and something years later, in John 4, he told his disciples, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. He's saying, you know how seed time and harvest works. You know how it typically works. But he says, but I say, wake up and look around. Look at your neighbor and say, wake up and look around. Well, maybe don't look around in here because it looks like all of us have bread. We're a bunch of happy lepers. Our bellies are doing all right, you know. But wake up and look around. The fields out there are already ripe for harvest. In fact, there's people dying on the vine right now. He said the harvesters are paid good wages. You know what the Bible says? The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike? Joy. Well, I just get scared when I think about sharing. 
Oh, you don't even, you haven't even experienced the joy of seeing people come to eternal life. You, man, that is the greatest high that there could ever possibly be. Out of all the times in my life, the joy that I got this or the time I achieved this or whatever, there is nothing like leading somebody to Jesus and seeing the light come on and their bre the bread come into their life. There's nothing like the joy. And think about the joy. If it's joyful here, what is it going to be like there? In heaven when we're celebrating together all the people that's come to eternal life. Man, I tell you what. Sharing Jesus is a joyful journey. I think we've got it, we've preached it wrong or something. But I tell you what, what, the most joy that I've ever experienced in my life is all centered around sharing Jesus. I get great joy from getting to preach to you today. And when you share, and let me say this on the front end, just so nobody will think I'm fussing. I think we are a wonderful sharing church. I think when I hear your testimonies and I hear the testimonies of people who's heard your testimonies, you are a people that tell your friends and family about Jesus. There is great personal evangelism that happens in this church that I don't think happens in all churches. And so let me applaud you for that. And so today, let me just reinstill in you that there is great joy. This is the joyful life. This is the abundant life, the sharing life. What did they say? This is not right. This is a day of good news, and we aren't sharing it with anyone. We need to get up every morning and say, i got to share this with someone. I mean, seriously, how many of you had a baby? Not you fellas. But, but you, maybe you had a baby with your wife. You didn't tell nobody? Oh, uh, let's just keep this to ourselves. No, why? Because it's good news. You can't control yourself. You got 47,000 pictures of that little kid on social media. What are they, I mean, if we buy a car, we want everybody to know we got the heated seats. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, this thing will drive itself, you know. It's good news. And we... That's part of life is, is sharing good news. It brings great joy to share good news. I can't stop telling everybody about how I was born again in 1997. All of you have heard my story, how I came from marriage counseling and I got saved. I share it everywhere I go. I tell people it's my testimony. And we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So we got to get out in the fields we got to be intentional. we got to find ways, create opportunities to be able to share. Because if we just stay in here, we're already saved. But like I said, you guys are doing a great job. And I applaud you because I have seen you, how hard you have labored to get your friends and family to church and how, how much you pray. And one of the main things I pray with each of you usually is, will you pray that my so-and-so will get saved? Or that I'll be able to have the words to speak to them. I know people that's going through great trials and tribulations in their personal life and in their health that mo even more than praying for their own 
restoration. They're praying that my family will come to Jesus through this. Yes, that's why there's so much joy in the Passion Church. I firmly believe that because we're a sharing church. So we got to learn to incorporate Jesus in everything we do. We got to be intentional. For example, you all know I build cornhole boards and sell them on, as a side hustle, right? Um, you know, my dad was a carpenter, so I'm a carpenter, you know, Amen. my heavenly dad. And so I, I like getting out there, it takes my mind off of things. And, but you know, when they come to pick up them cornhole boards, them poor people, you know what they're going to get, an earful. I tell them about Jesus, man, I, I have seen several people saved right there in my driveway. That, they just came to pick up cornhole boards. They had no idea that that was the day of their salvation. How many Christians that I have encouraged to go deeper in their faith. It's just an opportunity. What are opportunities? I want, to, want you to think about your daily routine. Are there interactions that you have with the fields? If there's already interaction that you have in the fields, how can you turn that around and begin to use it as a ministry opportunity to share this good news? Now, if you don't have any connections with the field you're you're kind of living in a christian bubble that happens you know it's safer there it feels you, you get to hang around good good god-fearing folks you know that's good but if you don't have any one to minister to then we're gonna have to learn to be more intentional and maybe take up a new hobby go to a different grocery store go somewhere that you can minister life because you are an ambassador for jesus christ and if you're not telling people, you're not doing a good job at being an ambassador, right? In Philemon, uh, Apostle Paul writes to Philemon in chapter 1, verse 6, he says, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Do you want your sharing of the good news to be effective? Well, he's saying, look, then just acknowledge all the good things that Jesus did in you. It's not that hard. Just tell them what he did for you. It's, it's acknowledging, man, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Jesus. I'd have been dead a long time ago. Well, why are you always happy? Man, I'm telling you, it's the joy of the Lord. I have somewhere to run to. I have a high tower of refuge. I love Jesus, man. I'm so excited about Jesus. Did I tell you the good things he's done in me? You you know, the temptation is to want to take credit for all the good things that, we, that Jesus has done in us. But if we'll be honest, there's no good thing in me except Jesus. Without him, I would wither and die. He is my vine. He's my source. But man, as long as he is, I'm going to be telling other people this good news. Share that joy. Look at your neighbor and say, share the joy. Billy Graham said a growing faith is a sharing faith. If you're not sharing, there's a good chance that you're not growing in your faith. And I know sharing your faith can be a scary proposition. You know, the, I don't know how the, what hold the devil has on the human race, but he makes us think that, man, if we try to talk to somebody, they're going to rebuke us, they're going to overpower us, they're going to get mad at us, they're going to hate us, all these things. 
Happens sometimes, but rarely, rarely, rarely. Most of everything the devil's telling you about sharing your faith is just a smoke screen to get you to not do it. He's a big liar. Oh, Slewfoot. He ain't any good. If he tells you something, you know it's a lie because he's the father of all lies. That's all he knows how to do is lie. So if you can just discern, this is the voice, this is not the voice of God, this is the voice of the devil, then just don't do what he says and you'll be all right. Because he's lying. Sharing your faith is where you get the joy. So if he's got you cowered down and scared, to fra- afraid to share your faith, guess what? You're not living in the joy you're supposed to be living in. He's stealing from you. What does 2 Timothy 1.7 say? I bet you a lot of people can quote it. For God has not given us a spirit of what? In the New Living Translation, and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Most of us, we memorize that scripture because the anxiety we feel living in this present world, in this culture, the things that we face, man, we all deal with fear, right? But in what context is this written? If you read this passage in context, it goes on to say in verse 8, so never be ashamed to tell others about the Lord. What? You mean that's what he was talking about? That God's not giving me the spirit of fear he wants me to share? That's what context this scripture was written in because God knew that the devil would be trying to make you a coward. He said, you're not a coward. I've given you the spirit of power and self-discipline and love. Those are enough to overcome the world. He says, so never be ashamed to tell others about the Lord. And he said, don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. You see, we have good news. The gospel is good news. They say, oh, man, people are going to be upset if I tell them that Jesus is the only way. They're going to call me bigoted. They're going to say, you know, I'm narrow-minded and all. No, it's the good news. It's, the, it's what their hearts are longing for, and they, they, ain't, they don't even understand it. Before you heard the good news, you were probably hostile to Christians and people telling you stuff and knocking on your door, too. But once, you, once the light came on, how differently do you feel now? Is it good news or not? Should you tell them or not? Even if they don't want to hear it, should you tell them or not? Man, you're just trying to get through that thick skull of theirs. Past the ears down into the heart. And so it says, you know, I, I heard it said one time, the average person has to hear the gospel eight times before they'll receive it. Maybe you're the sixth or seventh time, but at least you're, you're getting closer to that day when it's going to make sense, when the, the light is going to come on. So you say, Pastor, I, don't, I just never know what to say. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. Luke 12, 12 says the Holy Spirit will give you the words in that self-same hour. The Holy Spirit will teach you what to say. I think we think that sharing has to be some formula that you have to learn at Bible college. Well, you got to know the ABCs of sharing your faith. You got to know 
one, two, threes of sharing your faith. You've got to have some acrostic of some sort <laughs> to help you remember it, and you've got to memorize all these scriptures. I don't think that's the truth. I have found that people that go by formulas, are, they're talking to people, but they're stuck on their formula, and they're not hearing the other person. There's really not a conversation going on, and you're looking, they're, you're looking mighty weird to them because you, you're like a programmed robot trying to get to your points. Is that the way Jesus did it? When he talked to the woman at the well, I remember the conversation going all over the place. They talking about ropes and buckets and water. Then they started talking about worship and mountains. He's just letting the Holy Spirit lead the conversation. It's going all over the place. It seems like it ain't never going to come back around. What's he trying to get at? Next thing you know, I'm the Messiah. I am he. Bing. Maybe, maybe the conversation is just to open the heart. If they see you, you got an agenda and you're coming at them, and you got to get straight. You think you got to get straight to the, the prayer part. These formulas and the, the way we have made it is complicated. But just being used by the Holy Spirit is easy. You know what it does? It takes the pressure off of you. My goodness. I was witnessing to somebody yesterday. Turns out he was a, a Mormon. And, and the first thing came to me, what if I don't know how to combat a Mormon? Mormon. I, then the Holy Spirit says, you're not combating anybody. <laughs> I don't have to fight anybody. I'm not here to fight anybody. This Mormon witnessed to me. He was like a hit, one of the head Mormons. I mean, he was been on missionary journeys and stuff. He's the one that explains the Mormon. And so I, I kind of figured off the front end. I thought to myself, I'm probably not going to be able to change his opinion. But I sure would like to hear what he has to say so that I'll know how to witness to other Mormons. And so he, I just let him witness to me. I just listen, listen. And I, and I, and I asked him a few questions. And then in the end, we had to go because he had to go. And I said, well, look, I, I said, Seems like that me and you have some differences. Uh, the major differences are that you don't believe that Jesus is God. I said, I can't compromise on that. And the other thing, what was it? Oh, you have additional scripture. You, you think the Book of Mormon is equal with the Bible. I says, we ain't going to agree on those two things. But one thing that you said while you was talking to me, that if I would pray and I sincerely seek God, that he would show me, I said, I think that will work for both of us. So we'll pray and see which one is right. That's all I had to say. But the, I just was sitting there thinking, in the old days, the old me, when you know me when I was young and full of vinegar, don't you? When I was young in the faith, I used to go to prayer and, and prayer warrior like that. I couldn't even, I wasn't worthy to untie her sandals, you know, in prayer. And she would be up and pray, and they was real prayer warriors, you know. And I'd come in there, and I'd just, just now been saved. I'm taking over the prayer. I'll show them how to pray, you know. That was me just full of vinegar in the old days. And if I'd have run across a Mormon or some situation that I felt confrontational, I'd have been shaking in my boots, you know, and thinking, I got to get them. I got to get them. Oh, I ain't got to do nothing but love people. I ain't got to do nothing but love people. I can listen to them. You know, and the Holy Spirit will prompt me to say or not say. 
And, and another thing that I learned, we used to go knocking on doors, you know. And I'd knock on doors for two hours, come back. And, I, and the day, some days, you know, I was able to lead people to the Lord in prayer. You know, what we call salvation. Okay? And then I'd come back and I'd be happy. Oh, what a good day. But sometimes we'd go around for a whole neighborhood. Nobody would receive the Lord. And I'd, I'd be praying on the way home. Why do we have such a bad day, Lord? You know, what, nobody got saved. Are we doing something wrong? I'd be feeling guilty and something. That just a, not a good day. Did we not pray hard enough? And I begin to realize we're, we're not carving notches on our belt. And we're not, and not everybody's ready to be harvested. You see what I'm saying? Let me, let me, let me share a scripture with you. Okay. Where are, we, where are we at? 1 Corinthians 3 6. I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it, Paul says. But it was God who made it grow. So we give credit to where credit's due. We do the planting and watering. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters works together in the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their hard work. So if we go all day long and there's no salvations, we're still planting and watering. And so I begin to see all the outreaches differently. I didn't have to achieve and carve a notch on my belt about anything. I'm just sharing. It's my, not my job to make somebody come to salvation. They have to be drawn by the Holy Spirit. The Father has to call them, you see. But I just share. I'm just the messenger. Same way we're preaching. That took a lot of pressure off me when I realized that I'm just a messenger. Right? I, I'm simply a messenger. And so we get to share. We don't, it's not that we have to share. We get to share. And we don't have to put any pressure on ourselves to share a certain way, a certain formula. We just get to share and share the joy and share the good news. And it's easy. And the devil's been lying all this time. He's got us confused about things. Let me go back one moment. So what is it that really needs to be communicated when we're sharing? You say, well, that's the hard part. I don't know a bunch of scriptures. I don't know this or that. Well, shame on you, but still. You can learn. If it's important to you, you will learn. Okay, but you say, you know, I'm just not where you are, Pastor. I don't know this and I don't know that. Here's three things that need to be communicated. Broken down. People need to be saved. Jesus came to save them. If they trust him, he'll save them. I, I put it like this. Get them lost so you can get them found. Show them their need for a Savior. Say, look, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glorious standards of God. We're all sinners that need to be saved. But the good news is, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He came and redeemed us. And now, if I will place my trust in Jesus... If I will confess him as Lord of my life and believe in my heart he is who he says he is, I can be saved. Is that hard? I believe I could teach the, the front row full of kids during, during worship and sing the song at the same time. 
We all need saving. Jesus came to save us. We trust him, we'll be saved. Does it need to be a lot more difficult than that? Not really. So, I thought of four different avenues that we could share the good news. And uh, we should utilize them all. If, if you want to be a good sharer of the good news, then you need to be a person that makes invitation. You know, a good invitation to church, there's something to be said for that. that. We talked about the woman at the well, right? She heard that Jesus was the Messiah. In the end, her heart turned, she dropped her water pot, and she went, and what did she say? She said, come and see. She didn't know all the scriptures. She didn't know what to say. She didn't know how to witness. She didn't even know she was witnessing. But she just simply made an invitation. Come and see. Come and see. And that's what when you bring people to church, you're saying, come and see. I may not know how to explain it to you, but I'm telling you my pastor will or my friend at church will. Come and learn. Come and see this Jesus. A simple invitation. And we know that people out there are just begging for somebody to ask them to church. There's been studies. People will come to church if you will invite them. So a simple invitation is a great way to share your faith. Number two is your testimony. You remember there was a man born blind, and Jesus healed him, rubbed mud in his eyes and healed him, and he could see. But he did it on the Sabbath, and all the religious people got upset. And they kept calling the blind man in. Now tell us what happened again. Tell, they just couldn't conceive. And they're like, well, and finally, he just got mad. They called his parents in. They said, he, they said well, you got to admit this guy's a sinner because he's healing on the Sabbath. And this man says, well, whether he be a sinner or not, I don't know. But I once was blind, and now I see. <laughs> That's your testimony. They can't argue with that. I can say I was once dead, but now I'm alive. I was born blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. And you share your testimony. And there's power in the testimony. They can't take it from you. Boy, they'll see it and they'll say, I want it. So invite, share your testimony, and be an example of God's goodness. I think about Barnabas in the Bible. The name Barnabas, that was his nickname. I can't remember his real name. But they called him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Meaning he was just an encourager. He was just so bubbly and full of joy. And Barnabas was used mightily by God. Not only in winning lost souls on, on the missionary trips he went on with Paul. He was a great speaker. People just loved his excitement and everything. But he was also a healer of the breaches. He was a peacemaker. And when... Uh, the Apostle Paul got saved, and he wanted to meet with the leaders of the Christian church. They were all scared of him, and, oh, this is the guy that persecutes Christians, you know. And he was the one that bridged the divide and made the meeting happen. He was the one trying to get Paul to give Mark another chance, the young boy that messed up on the first missionary journey. You can just be an example of God's goodness. But I... You won't have to open the conversation. You know what? They'll ask you. And then the fourth thing is appealing to intellect. And none of us can do that. So we'll just move on. No, just 
<laughs> we all feel like we can't, but I guarantee you, you know more than you think you do. You certainly know more than the sinners and the lost do about God's goodness. You appeal to their intellect. Some people got to hear it. They get, you got to explain it to them. This may require some study. This may require, I'm going to get back with you. Let me study up what the Bible says or something. But you know, if you want to be a good witness, you can take it as deep as you want. I study apologetics. I want to know how to answer. Peter says, um, always have an answer for those who want to know the hope that you have in Jesus. Always have an answer. I took that seriously. So I want to know how to witness to different faiths. I want to know how to... Um, Answer people's questions and objections about the faith. Does that make sense? And so, number one, invite people to church and, you know, invite them to come with you to life group. Invite people places where they can come and see. And then, number two, share your personal testimony. Number three, live an example of what God's love has done on the inside of you. And then, if need be, appeal to their intellect, to those who, who need to know. And if you don't feel like you can do it, then go back to one of the others and say, let me invite you to come talk to this man or this person. But don't leave them hanging. Amen? All right, so I thought I'd give you a couple of opening lines that I often use. I think Tom helped me with one of them. When we used to go door to door, you know, what is a way to start a conversation? If you're out in the fields and you want to minister to somebody, how do you start the conversation? Yeah, I can start a conversation about, hey, let's say we're in the return line at Walmart. Oh, how long you been in line? 30 minutes? Oh, I've been here 45 minutes, you know. Uh, what are you returning? You know, we can have regular conversation, but how do you open that door to talk about faith? To find out where they're at and where you can help them and where you can share. Well, one of the great ways that I think Brother Tom it was showed me, he, somebody else might have showed him, but the way we did it here in the early days and still do is we'll knock on a door and somebody come to the door. Do you need prayer for anything today? It's non-threatening. You're not asking anything of them. You're offering something to them. And just about everybody in America, whether even they're of another faith, They'll say, yeah, prayer's a good thing, most. And if they, if they say anything else other than that, then you know where you stand. You, you got somebody that's against faith or whatever. So that, that opens the door. They'll, they're going to say something like, yeah, uh, I could always use some prayer. And then you follow up. You be led by the Holy Spirit. There's no formula. See where the Holy Spirit takes the conversation and say, well, uh, how long you been saved? You know, I like to, that as a follow-up question, to see if they are saved. You know, how long you been saved? You don't know what saved is? You know, what, well, the Bible says, you know, when we, we confess Jesus our Lord, he sends his spirit into our heart and saves us and makes us alive on the inside, makes our spirit alive. Just say it in a way that they can understand it. So a good opening statement is, can I pray for you today? That's not threatening. Another one that I've been using a lot lately when they come to get to cornhole boards is, uh, you got a good church you go to? Because everybody's inviting people to church or whatever. 
and it just opens the conversation. It'll st probably start off a little religious. You know, I'm a Presbyterian. What are you? You know, you talk religion for a minute. That's okay. Get the conversation steering in that direction. You're, you're, you're gathering them in to the, get to the, to the heart. And what you want to ultimately do is get them not over about religion or whatever to the heart. And, and it's also a good opportunity for that invitation that, that we talked about. You don't have a good church? Well, you ought to come to our church. You would love it. Man, we got people just so joyful, so happy, serving the Lord, finding their purpose in life. And then, uh, are you saved? Do you know what saved means? Or the Bible says, you know, you, you, you. do you know Jesus? That's a good one. That's a follow-up question. But those two, I found, are easy. You know, do you have a good church? That just opens the conversation about faith and religion. Or, can I pray for you? But that you may have your own. If it's working, work with it. Right? Just a couple suggestions. But all I know is those lepers said, this is not right. This is a day of good news and we aren't sharing it with anyone. Guys, our, our bellies are full of the bread of life. We have the words of eternal life. It's not right if we don't share it. It's not right at all. We must find ways to share it. And I'm telling you, it's not, it's not scary like the devil makes it out. I have, I have literally personally witnessed to thousands of people. And I probably have had, I can count on one hand, those who wanted to get upset about it. If you do it in a proper way, you're respectful, the love of God is shining through, you're not going to have much problem. And even if you do, like those Hebrew boys said, we will not bow down and serve your God. We will, we will not stop sharing the faith, even if it costs us our life, because that is who we are, that is what we do. We are ambassadors for Christ. Somebody said the greatest way we can show love to another person is by sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. And I, and I think opposite would be the greatest way to not show love is not to share Jesus with people. I mean, we're standing at, we're standing at the end of the road and people are driving off the cliff and we're not even waving them down. You know what I'm saying? The love of God should compel us to say, oh, stop right there, man. You don't want to keep going in that direction. Make a U-turn and come to Jesus and be saved. We'll close with this. David in Psalms 96, 2 says, Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Each day, proclaim the good news that he saves. Each day. We ought to make it a goal each day that we're going to tell somebody about Jesus. We're going to confirm somebody. We're going to uh, encourage somebody in their faith. Pl publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he does. So here's what I want to do as we close. Do I have one brave soul in here that would come up to the front and do some role playing with me real quick? Anybody? Somebody not scared? Come on up. All right, so we're just going to role play for just a moment. We're going to pretend that uh, we are in line waiting to 
make a return at Walmart. It's a long line. We've got a few moments to chat. This guy's behind me. And uh, you just say whatever you feel. You can get into a character if you want to. You can play whatever. Or you can, you can be yourself. It's this simple. What you got returning today? I got some iPhone pads. Oh, what happened to him? Uh, my son, he probably took Let me get him a microphone so everybody can hear. You're doing good, though. I can see you're in character. <laughs> Your son yeah, did what? My son, he, he wanted these expensive iPhone things, and I just can't afford them. I'm going to trade them in and get something a little cheaper. Oh, that makes sense. How many kids you got? Uh, I got about three kids. Oh, really? Yeah, That's cool. It's a little tough on me. Oh, you're a single parent? Uh, yeah, at this time I am. You got a good church you go to? Uh, I can't seem to get to church on time, so I don't, I don't, <laughs> oh, I don't try to bother with it. Well, getting there late's better than not getting there at all, buddy. <laughs> yeah. But look, man, you're gonna need your kids are gonna need to grow up and to know Jesus, because one day you're not gonna be there to protect them, and they're gonna they're gonna have their own families, man. I, I know I can't make it without Jesus. Jesus changed my life. In fact, I was about to get a divorce when I came to Jesus. I went for marriage counseling. You know what? I got saved instead. You know what saved is? Saved. Yeah. Nah, my kids need to be saved. <laughs> well, you know what? You're the head of the family. You get saved, I can almost guarantee that they're going to follow suit. So you're saying if I, if I do something, they're going to follow me as an example? Uh, most likely. Most likely? And you know what? God wants the men in this generation to stand up and to be the men that he called them to be. You know what? I, I sense that you want to be a good man. I know before I met Jesus, I wanted to be a good man, but I couldn't be, man. I was just ugh, all over the place. I, I tried, but my willpower wouldn't get it. But look, when you ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life, that means you put him in charge, you give him the throne. Yeah. He comes into your heart. He sends his spirit in your heart. Now, the Holy Spirit is the same spirit that raised Jesus up out of the grave now, and he rose me up out of the death that I was living. Man, I know we're in the line here, but let me tell you, man, now... I wake up each day, I have a choice. I can follow that spirit that's on the inside of me and, and be a good man that he called me to be, or I can act like I used to, but now I have a choice. And see, before I met Jesus, I didn't have a choice. I was a sinner by nature. I was dead in my sins and trespasses. I couldn't be. Don't you want to be a good man? Don't you want to be an example to your children that they may follow one day? Yeah, I think that's where I am. I go to work every day. And that's to be about the time that the devil will send somebody in. Okay, next. You know. <laughs> there will always be an interruption. The devil will do everything. Next. But that's okay. <laughs> okay, so yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Uh, let me talk to you in a minute. Let me get this done, and when you get... Let's go, let's go uh, over to Subway and let me buy you lunch. How okay. about Yeah, that sounds cool, man. Cool, man. All right. Give him a round of applause. <laughs> Wonderful job there. All right. Now, did I have a written down agenda? Did I hit him with the ABCs? The, the Holy Spirit led the conversation. So what we're fixing to do for the next three to five minutes, I want you to stand up right now. I want you to find you a partner, and I want you all to pretend like you're in line at Walmart. Each one of you take a turn, and you can play different characters if you want to, but I want you to practice. Get, some, get somebody that you're comfortable with, or if you're brave, find somebody that you're not. Stand up right now, everybody.
You don't have to come to the front, but just right now, find you a partner. Spend the next three to five minutes sharing. Okay, about time to change roles. If you've uh, been the one that's been shared to, now it's your turn to share. Switch roles. <laughs> Thomas, let McCray witness to you. Share your testimony, McCray. Anita, I want you to get that fellow in the booth back there with you. I want you to get him saved.
Everybody, all the kids, find your parents. The devil says, next. He's going to try to disrupt you. Find a way around it. Find a way around it. Okay, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. Sometimes you get interrupted in the middle of your witnessing. Go ahead and tell them, break it up and tell them you, you're going to get back with them or something. Don't let the devil determine the end of that conversation. But here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask if you're on the ministry team, Miss, Miss Marcia, your ministry team, Come across the front here, across the front of the, the altar. If you're on the ministry team with Miss Marcia, we're going to ask you to come across the front. Thank you. Okay, we have a we have a few people up front. Uh, we're just going to go ahead and close the service in prayer. If you need to be saved, if you're here today and you, you don't know what's going on, and if somebody hadn't already min play ministered to you, maybe they were ministering really to you. Uh, but if you want to leave here today knowing you have a personal relationship with Jesus, come down front and we will be here to pray with you. If you have physical needs, you have financial needs that we can pray about, you have anything uh that you need ministry for. We have people here that are here to pray for you. Um, other than that, we're going to conclude this service today. Thank you guys for play acting with us. I know it's unusual, but don't you love this church? Don't you love being part of an unusual church that will do what it takes to get the job done for Jesus? So stand to your feet and let me pray over you. And just remember, we'll be down here praying for folks if you need us. Father, what a glorious day. What joy fills the heart of those who will share their faith. What joy and peace in believing and sharing this fresh bread that we have found in Jesus. We thank you, Father, for being with every person as they leave. That they, they will find, Lord, I ask that you put it in the heart of every person to share with somebody this week. Share and put into practice the things that we have learned. Be doers of this word. We thank you that we will find joy in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You are released.
for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.